How about this fucking team right here? Dustin Brown, short-handed for LA. Score! Here is Goligoski. He gets leveled at the blue line by Dowdy. Food for it, cheer for uh, Kind of like it. Richard throws it in front. Carlos scores! Well done, boy. There's some swagger. Push come to shove. We're going to get it done. This is for you, Kings fans, wherever you may be. Hey everybody, welcome to the Thanks Bud Podcast. I am Chanel Berlin. And I'm Diane Fan. And we're back. We have reached episode 10, so that's pretty cool. Um, I wish that we could start this off by talking about how the Kings are killing it and it's awesome, but instead they gave another game to the Calgary Flames tonight. So that's where we're at in our lives. I literally don't understand any of that. Why, why are the Flames our kryptonite this season? That's terrible. I mean, at least when like the stars were sort of the king's kryptonite uh, last season in particular, at least the stars weren't part of the absolute worst in the league. They were a decent team, you know, the middle. It was fine. It wasn't like you, we couldn't really hate it. I hate this. It's infuriating. At least the stars still had Yager for most of it, and then they still, you know, had like Louis Erickson. Now they have um, neither of those people. Well, I, I should say specifically, the Flames have nobody like that. The Flames don't have Jerome Ginla anymore. They're just kind of a crappy team, and the Kings can't beat them. Every one of them is broken. Well, I guess not everyone that's important, but a lot of people, like their boy wonder, Sean Monahan, is definitely injured. Yeah. And, you know, some of their other, they're a captain and <laughs> their alternate captain is also injured. So why, why? We're, okay, we cannot beat the Calgary B team. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. The person I guess that needed to be injured was um, Mike Camilleri, because he has a great game every time he plays in Staples Center. Unlike the Kings, who can't seem to put together a great game in Staples Center, at least not consistently. They've had a, f- a couple of them that were really great. But it's not happening regularly enough, which is especially weird coming off of last season where at one point they just hit a stride and you could go to any Kings game at Staples Center because they were probably going to win until, of course, like the Blackhawks beat them. But that was in the Western Conference final. So that that was reasonable. But instead, the Kings end their uh, point streak to the Calgary Flames. This point streak, which which when it was first mentioned by the LA Kings PR Twitter was like so hilariously dumb to me. I mean, I will also back up and say that I am somebody who found the, I was like one of the few people in the world who found the Blackhawks point streak kind of dumb because I'm like, whatever, you lost a game. It's not, it's just not as impressive (laughs) to me. If you lose a game, I don't care if you technically got a point, but whatever, at least there was one on for like 20 something games and it was amazing league wide or whatever. But this one was like, you know, the longest any Kings team has gone with a point was 11 games. That's not very many games. <laughs> no, it's not. It's really not. And it was made even more hilarious to me with this team by the fact that as it went on, they dropped a number of games. So it was like, it's not even like they're on a win streak. They're just on a weird point streak where a, a significant number of them are, in fact, losses, uh, especially uh, towards this end point here. Yeah. And I can't. Yeah. Not only did we lose to the, the Calgary Flames, we couldn't even hold out for the loser point. Yeah. Of all, yeah. like, every single other game, the Kings seem to be able to force to, to overtime past regulation. And yet, for whatever reason, the last 30 seconds of any third period against the Calgary Flames is a death knell for the Kings. Yeah. 
point coming. Ugh, it was, yeah, that was pretty frustrating. I was like, really, right now? You couldn't hold on for 23 more seconds for the loser point? I was really hoping for that point so they could set a record and have the 12-game point streak. But no, they can't even do that. I like to joke about the Kings being allergic to too much success, but I feel like these last two games, this game against Calgary and the game against San Jose, are prime examples of why I feel the need to say that even jokingly at any point. Because like with the San Jose game, they had the opportunity to tie for first, which would have been awesome. They lose, in the shootout technically, they technically actually didn't disappoint as greatly as they could have in that game. They did compete, which was nice. That game was actually a lot of fun to watch, I will say that. But, you know, they they don't quite win it. They could have won it. They had, like, both of the goals um, in regulation that San Jose scored were weird goals. Like, one was a total communication breakdown. The second one was not even a goal they actually scored. It was a, it was a puck that hit Scriven's skates and went off of his skates into the net. And then with this game tonight, it's like, oh, they had some scoring chances, as usual, especially in the first period, no goals. And then Scriven's falls down and basically flops around the ice for a little bit and Calgary turns it into a shorthanded goal on a five-minute power play. So the Kings shooting themselves in the foot two games in a row because they just don't like to let nice things happen to them. I don't, know, I don't know if it's because they won the Stanley Cup being the eighth seed and there was that whole deal about like, you know, they beat the, the number one seed and then the two seed and the three seed and then um, they won like every single game that was on the road, and now they just have to make things difficult. They're like, we have to, we can't be too good. You gotta, you gotta. I mean, how many times have we talked about the fact that the Kings love a comeback, whether it be like, especially during a game? Like, just let's go ahead and let the other team score five goals in the first and the second, and then we'll just score six in the third. Because so we all need to live through that. Yeah, and it's weird. Like, like again, we call kind of joke about it, but, you know, they keep giving us examples of where it's completely true, where they just don't like to dominate. Like, you have a team like the Flames, you should murder them every time. And they just don't. <laughs> they just struggle the whole night. It was very weird and disheartening. Like, right, I feel, I was saying to Diane, like, right now, I'm actually not as upset about it as I probably will be on Monday when they get beat by a team that's actually doing really well this season, the St. Louis Blues, because then I'll be like, why didn't you just pick up the two points against Calgary? But at the moment, I'm just kind of amused slash, I mean, a little frustrated, but mostly amused by it too, because of the fact that it's like, of course the Kings would do this. Of course they would do it. This is how their point streak would end. They would drop another game to Calgary. I hope it's like they lose this game to Calgary and then they just like demolish St. Louis because that is, I guess, the streak. I want that streak to continue. Them beating the St. Louis Blues, um, and like the Blues are a legitimately good team, and then they like kill them, but cannot scrape together a win against the Flames. <laughs> that would be that would be pretty fun if they. I mean, the the Blues. It'll be interesting because the Blues have something to prove too. They basically laid an egg in their game against San Jose because they've been so dominant, and then San Jose scored. I I think it was four goals in the first period um, or something mm-hmm. or no three or three or four something completely embarrassing in the first period of that game just embarrassed St. Louis so they are probably looking to have a strong game too I hope the Kings are looking to have a strong game but then again if they continue to play to their opponent maybe they'll compete in this game and it will actually be fun I like kind of forgot that the Flames were and also don't care that the Flames are a divisional rival 
Right. Because they don't really feel like one. <laughs> because they, uh, I mean, not including this game, but they just, I guess now they have 22 points. Like oh. before they had just broken 20 points. And I was like, all right. Woo. I don't really care. <laughs> who, who cares if, I guess, I guess who cares if you lose a game, but like, that's terrible. Right. Yeah. I mean, if, if they're going to lose a game, this is not a bad game to lose. Luckily for the Kings, if uh, Phoenix lost tonight, Phoenix is only two points behind them right now. So they still get to retain that third place in the division because of that fact. Um, unfortunately, Anaheim and San Jose played each other tonight, and it was a three-point game. They, it went to a shootout. So now there's a little bit of a gap between the Kings and those two teams. Um, it's not insurmountable. I think now they're, what, technically four points behind both of them, or four points behind Anaheim, five points behind San Jose, which is not which is not bad, but could get bad if they decide to drop you know, like the next two games, which are against St. Louis and I think Anaheim, then it could be a problem. But for tonight, it's not the worst thing that could happen to the team. Also, since we're talking about sort of where they stand now, I'll just go over the stats record really quick. Right now, the record is actually 16-7-4. Points leader, still Andre Kobachar. He's got seven goals. And tonight he got his 17th assist, which actually is his 500th career point. Which is amazing. Which uh, which I also thought was interesting because didn't recently Justin Williams actually scored a goal tonight and got his two hundredth goal. But I've, a few games back, didn't he? Weren't they celebrating his five hundredth career point too? Ah, uh, yes, I believe we were. Yeah. Which so it's just kind of interesting to me, just like how different those two players are. That like, yeah, Justin Williams is in his thirties and got his five hundredth point, and uh, Kopitar is you know twenty six. It's, it's always <laughs> and is celebrating his. It's always great looking at those milestones, and then they always mention the games played. Um, yeah. And it's like, oh, cool, you know, so-and-so is reaching their 500th point. Oh, wait, they've been in the league, like, five years longer than this other person who is also about to reach their 500th goal. Yeah. It's just an interesting... I mean, that's when you kind of kind of really notice, like, oh, that person's, like, a superstar player, and that person is a good player, is a decent player. I mean, they're playing in the NHL, like, not to knock them or anything, but that's a more, like, sedate like go up to the 500th point as compared to Kopitar who was just like yeah I'll get there now right yeah yeah it was I mean and we we all know Kopitar is a great player but it is sort of just thinking about those two milestones happening so close to each other with players who are at very different points in their career just kind of brought it into stark relief I will say um and I thought it was kind of funny uh but cool good on them both 500th point for Kopitar 200th career goal for Justin Williams and actually if there was anything awesome about this game, it was that I think people really wanted it to happen that way. Kobitar technically didn't get the primary assist, but they were hoping for those milestones to happen at the same time, and they did, and it was it was awesome, because also at the time it was a tying goal, and the point streak temporarily was back on. It didn't last, but it was beautiful for a moment. You mentioned it again, and I continue to shake my head over it. It's really bad. Um... I'm trying to think of other positive things. The uh, LA Kings Twitter, or their PR Twitter, to be specific, sent out a couple of things that were pretty good. Like the fact that apparently the penalty kill has actually been pretty decent recently. It kind of, it's hard, I think, for fans to appreciate that when the Kings have a night like tonight where they get a five-minute power play and can't do anything with it. Because power play, 20th in the league, but the PK is ninth, which is... Pretty amazing. Pretty good, yeah. Yeah, not bad. Especially if you're going to continue to be a team that takes a billion penalties a game. Uh, tonight they had seven minor penalties. Two of them were called at the same time the penalties were called on players from Calgary. So Calgary technically only had five power plays tonight. But 
still you can't get sent to the box that much that's not going to help you at all and then let's not forget that very recently they gave up uh, eight power plays to vancouver that was a that was a fun game and eight penalties to van or power plays to vancouver even during like during a time when the second period they had that big like flare up and they got a power play from that but like beyond all of those penalties eight power plays like yeah. are you kidding me it was me? terrible but like Going along with the uh, going along with the the power play situation, there was a time I do not remember what game it was, but where the Kings got a high sticking double minor and did absolutely zero with it, and then when they were on the PK for their own uh, double sticking or uh, high sticking double minor against them, decided to score a shorthanded goal. So cool. I guess. Uh, yeah. And I'm pretty sure actually this tonight was the first time they had a shorthanded goal scored against them this season, um, which is great, but let's never, um, let's not have any more. And also let's find ways to score on the power play. I would like them not to only, I would like for the special teams not to only be effective when the Kings are shorthanded. I would like them to do pretty well with a man advantage. <laughs> that would be nice as well if we could have both. Um, to double back though, because I just remembered like I am like pretty cool with this loss tonight, even though it's weird and frustrating, but I was having a fit about the uh, Vancouver game. I was so upset by it so completely because of that second period, especially and like all of those penalties. And I think this just sort of, I feel like tonight's game against Calgary was, they were actually pretty average. They weren't terrible. They were disappointing, but they were pretty mediocre. I thought the game against Vancouver, they were awful there was like a period where they had three shots on goal in 30 minutes and i was like you can't play like this especially not against a divisional rival and then they still managed to win that game so i think that's a uh testament to how they love when it's dramatic like of course they would win in overtime this game that they absolutely should have lost but a game that they absolutely should win they play like the flames are a legitimate opponent Wait, you were mad that the Kings only got two shots on goal in that second period against Vancouver? I That's know, weird. right? <laughs> so many people seem so stoked because of all like the, the fighting and the craziness. But I was like, all right, I could get down with this more if they would remember to shoot the puck at the net. I was very upset. Or if that was like the point of the game. You know, like, oh, you fought and you got 80 points for that? Cool. But no, 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 no. You're supposed to yeah. get the little disky thing into the net and none of that, none of that happened. Not even close. I mean, I like some nonsense in a game as much as anybody, but it's also really important to me that they remember to actually play the game of hockey. So it was hard for me to enjoy that particular game. But they won it, and, it, and so it, you know, whatever, it was fine. But <sighs> and now we're here. <laughs> Although, to go along with uh, everyone trying to stay positive in terms of uh, the LA Kings PR, Twitter, um, doling out some good things about the Kings play right now. Um, big ups to Bailey, the Kings mascot, because he is like the most, him and Jim Fox are like so aggressively happy and like optimistic about things that it's amazing. Like every time I see a tweet of there, I mean, maybe Bailey, you should just tweet or uh, read all of Bailey's tweets like he's had two glasses of wine. <laughs> True. Possibly. That's super fair about Bailey. Um, but yeah, every time I see his just like, hey, the Kings are what, four points away from first place or what have you. I'm just like, yeah, you know, way to be Bailey. Way to be, look on the bright side. Thanks for the reminder. I needed that. Yeah. It made me think like, oh yeah, it could be a lot worse. 
<laughs> they're still okay. They're not terrible. I mean, at the end of the night, the kings are still the kings, and the Calgary Flames still have to be the Calgary Flames. So what? Like, lit- I mean, I know I wrote the whole thing about it, but like, who knows anything about like the, the Calgary Flames? I don't know. Yeah, I was I was thinking that too. Like after that win, what is it like to be a Calgary Flames fan? I mean, I'm sure you're excited tonight, I guess, kind of, but you're still rooting for the Calgary Flames. What's it like to live in Calgary? Yeah, it seems awful. I'm I feel really bad for those people. Especially since we just like this week played the Vancouver Canucks, which is always a fun rivalry to have, and then the San Jose Sharks, which has become a super amazing rivalry. I have to say that game was amazing it was so exciting to watch and and actually i will say uh rory boylan from the hockey news posted this thing after that was basically asking is the king sharks rivalry the best in the western conference and he had five reasons for why it might be the best rivalry in the nhl today um and and things about it were like the fact that there's the territorial side there's very recent playoff history both teams have um, star names like Jeff Carter, Jonathan Quick, and you know they got uh, Logan Couture, who was apparently a star. I don't know, Auntie Niemi, who's won a cup, whatever. So there's a lot of stuff to go into it, and I thought it was a pretty legitimate question. And so, actually, I'm going to ask you, Diane. Do you think, do you think it's the best rivalry, or can you even think of other rivalries that would compare in the? I mean, in the Western Conference or for the Kings? I guess period, like either one. Oh, I mean, there's, I, there, I'm sure that, you know, the the original six, all of those, like the Boston and Montreal kind of um, old-timey rivalries are definitely a lot of fun and very cool and uh, probably hold more clout than anything else. But in terms of the Kings, I always like um, the King Sharks or the Kings Canucks over, or I, I mean, I don't know if it's really a rivalry um, or just a trend, but like the Kings and the Blues over something that's feels super contrived like the Kings and the Ducks. I feel like the Kings-Ducks is like the Sid versus Ovi type of deal right. where it's supposed to be a thing that we all care about and are super excited and amped up about, but I think that other, you know, matchups are definitely a lot more, I don't know, exciting, or at least I, I have a lot more feelings about them than than the Kings-Ducks or anything else. Yeah, I would even go a step farther and say that even like 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 you mentioned those original six matchups, and I kind of think right now a matchup like King Sharks beats them every time. I mean, I've watched a few of those games, and it's like sure there's like a history, but that has nothing to do with the present. I feel like it's weird, you know. I feel like one of the most exciting games, at least for you know fans that I know from Boston or like people who I know are really big fans of Pittsburgh like they are really excited when those teams face off because they've got like recent playoff history I think recent playoff history factors into rivalry so much especially right now when people are talking about how much parity there is in the league I guess one of the a comparable one to a King Sharks or like a Kings Canucks feel in the games might be uh Chicago and St. Louis because every time, you know, watching a game in either one of those arenas, all the fans are really loud, really invested. I mean, I definitely think the Western Conference has better rivalries, period, right now. I'm just going to say it. And I, I, I don't know for sure if I think King Sharks edges out like Chicago, St. Louis. But if it doesn't, I think they're right on par with each other. And they're always amazing to watch. And even tonight, the Sharks and Anaheim played together. And it was like, mm, OK, that's cool. I mean, fun, but whatever. I definitely agree that that recent playoff history definitely should <clears throat> come into account because 
for people who root for the old school kind of rivalries, it's like, oh, well, back in the day, like, this happened, and that's why I hate your team. But right, yeah. right now, I can be like, you know, Joe Thornton is terrible because he rolled around like a turtle, or, you know, whatever. And it's oh, it's it's relevant to all of us right now. Mm-hmm. Although I do like the uh, the Pittsburgh Flyers. Oh yeah, that's kind that of one's that's thing. always good and has a lot of history. Yeah, um, mostly because I just literally always picture the two coaches just standing and hollering, like it's that image <laughs> every time I think of it. Yeah, it's good. Although it was actually interesting. I mean, just to go on a little bit of a tangent and also bring it back to the Kings. So I listened to Mike Richards was on Cabby's podcast and he was talking. Uh, about rivalries between specific players and they were talking about across sports and so while they were talking about that cabbie asked him about the sid ov thing like if he had a preference and mike richards didn't really have a preference but he was like i guess i'll pick sid and cabbie was like but you guys are rivals you were literally rival captains you can't like that guy joking of course and mike was like whatever like the thing about it is at the end of the day a lot of the people that you have these rivalry with rivalries with too are guys that you've played with before he played with uh, Sid obviously on the Olympic team in 2010 and they played together at World Juniors and won so those rivalries are really great and fans really enjoy them and sometimes the players really get into them too depending on what the teams are but also it's at the end of the day like they're just dudes who can mostly get over it which is always just funny to remember like when you think of the fact that I'm sure that like Mike Richards and Jonathan Taves go fishing over the summer you know, it's like, well, oh, yeah. I, I mean, does any sort of like when he played with the Flyers, well, when, when he captained the Flyers, it's like, well, does anyone really care about those rivalries? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, you can definitely tell sometimes when there are players who really like, tr- like honestly bug each other, especially on the ice. But a lot of them, too, it's like, all right, there's kind of a rivalry now. And then away from it, totally buds. Like, Mike Richards and Jonathan Taves do fish during the summer. It's really true. In fact, this past summer, after, you know, the Blackhawks knocked the Kings out of the playoffs, they, I mean, I don't know, I have no idea, actually, if they actually hung out, but they went to the Olympic training camp on the same flight. I know, because I saw a picture on Twitter of them in the airport. Um, I, that sounds creepy, but it was on Twitter. <laughs> so, and it's, and it's not like we searched for it. It was literally retweeted a bunch on Twitter, so... Yeah. Yeah. Laying that out there. For sure. I mean, I I do, even though they are buds, I do um, look forward to the day when Mike Richards and and Jeff Carter, because they were both there at the same time, can eventually beat Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane in a playoff series. It'll be a glorious day. I hope they are um, still on the Kings team when it happens. I feel like they've earned it at this point. Absolutely. (laughs) Okay. Last day of November. We're going into December now. And I have to say, it feels like... 2011 again and the kings are having a problem scoring goals even despite like they played a terrible game against vancouver they played an awesome game against san jose but lost they played a super mediocre game against calgary the recurring theme in both of those is that they're not scoring goals they have chances and they're not scoring why is that seem to be a recurring problem for the kings again and again even when they've tried to fix it by acquiring people who are goal scorers it it like statistically shouldn't be possible (laughs) it's just they have excellent goaltending yeah from jonathan quick and now ben scribbins yes their puck possession is still fantastic and for whatever reason they just can't 
they can't seem to score goals. I, it's amazing. And you love goalies and I love yelling. And it's just like, will someone just score a goal for these goalies who are bailing this team out in terms of their lack of offensive output. Yeah, a few people pointed out how, you know, poor Ben Scrivens is just not getting enough uh, support. And and not, not even like he's not getting enough support, like just defensively, but in the fact that his team will not score goals for him. And uh, Jesse Cohen from All the King's Men podcast was like the only person who knows how Ben Scrivens feels right now is 2011-2012 Jonathan Quick, who was in this exact same position. So... I don't know what it is about this team. They have dudes who can score. We've seen them do it, but they keep hitting these like patches. And and actually this situation seems to have just carried over from the playoffs where they just can't make the goals happen. Kari Ramo, I think they've scored now two, three goals on him total this season. You know, like this is a Flames goalie. He's like the, like not even a great goalie. What the hell? And Obviously, in 2011, this was terrible for Terry Murray because he ended up fired. I don't think Daryl Sutter is quite in the same position, but I do wonder if more people will start asking questions. And actually, who do you even ask those questions about? Like, are they going to trade for somebody? Are they going to consider getting new coaching in some point, whether, you know, booting Daryl Sutter or even just changing out some assistant coaches? I don't know. But I feel like that's going to have to be a question soon, and I have no idea who they're going to point the finger at. I can't imagine that they would... I don't even want to say this, because last time we kind of speculated about something. The next day, uh, (laughs) what we said wouldn't happen immediately happened. Um, So who are we going to jinx right now? (laughs) Um, I don't think that Daryl Sutter is going to get the boot anytime soon. Um, But I don't know if any play... like I don't know if it's kind of like a growing pains type of thing. Um, I hate to keep bringing up the fact that, you know, there's a lot of, like, it shouldn't necessarily matter, but there's been a lot of line changes, a lot of roster changes, a lot of getting used to new people in these systems. So, and I mean, to be fair, they the Kings made it to the conference finals last year. Right. Like, it's not like they're terrible. They might have a slow start. Um, it's not like years of inadequacies, and this is like a continuing theme. I I mean... I don't want to, like, write it off, but I am very into, like, I'm sure, you know, you can kind of cut them some slack. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. Like, never discount that fact that even though they have these scoring troubles, more often than not, they manage to get it done, Um, which, obviously, I'm all about. Love it. But uh, I do, it is just sort of a weird problem and I don't know how they're going to address it but if they ever do manage to figure it out in a way that really sticks this team is going to be completely unstoppable like basically or or the alternative is like figure out how to get everything clicking the way it did in those 2012 playoffs because it was like suddenly this team that was having trouble all of these pieces that they lined up just like hit at the same time. And if they can figure out how to do that again, whether it's just stop, you know, playing down to your opponents or whatever, this team is going to be an unbeatable team. And I think everybody can see that. And that's part of why it's so mystifying that it's not happening still. But it, it's just like we're saying, like all the pieces are there. The possession numbers are good. They have the opportunities and the chances to score and yet something something is just not there. And it's baffling. Like, it'd be one thing if, you know, their possession wasn't great. Or it'd be one thing if, 
you know, they weren't taking a lot of chances because they didn't necessarily trust a goaltender. But none of that is the case. Yeah. They just cannot score a goal. Oh, Kings. Um, well, now that we've, like everybody else, failed to solve that problem, let's talk about, I mean, it is the end of the month, so now it is time to pick a player of the month because the Kings side is doing it, and why not join in? Here are the choices. Ben Scrivens, Tyler Toffoli, Mike Richards, Andre Kopitar, and Justin Williams. I, I kind of feel like we're going to have the same pick here, but I'll ask you, who is your pick? Um, I will admit that I have already voted about 12 times for one Ben Scrivens. Yeah. And Scrivens we trust. Scriv- As you should. Vesna, Scri- everything. Yeah. Scrivens life. He is amazing. Even though the last two games, like, there was that weird falling down goal tonight, which is definitely going to end up getting him some flack. Although there were other goalie fails in uh, on California teams tonight so on both California other California teams so he won't be the only one but he had a crazy falling down situation tonight and in the last game that was a weird sort of own goal even still his uh, save percentage best in the league so he's still amazing that Ben Scrivens he's filling in for Jonathan Quick awesomely I think I don't think anybody was crazy, crazy worried because again, it wasn't like Jonathan Quick was playing super well when he got injured. Ben Scrivens steps in. People were kind of not sure what to expect because he was untested. And so far, like now he has started 11 games and his, you know, he's still amazing. Quick, before he went down and started 16 games, let's remind you his save percentage was 905. Ben Scrivens, 11 games started so far, save percentage, 944. He's doing pretty awesome. I am really stoked about Scrivens. Obviously, this month has been his month. He's really performed for this team and kept him in there. Those overtime losses would not have happened. They would have all been regulation losses if it were not for Ben Scrivens. Yeah, he's definitely saved the Kings' asses more more times in recent memory than is uh, probably fair for him. <laughs> oh, absolutely. He's really putting in work. Like They are not making it easy for him at all. But why would you expect that from the Kings? When have they ever made it easy on anyone? Certainly not for us fans. Um, so um, obviously, if you can tell, my, my pick for player of the month is Ben Scrivens as well. Although I have to admit, like all of the forwards who were listed had pretty awesome Novembers. Uh, or Well, some of them are extending back to the work that they finally got going in October. But whatever. They are all fine. But Ben Scrivens outshines all of them. A terrifying thing that I read, I believe it was on Bleacher Report, was that... It was basically asking, is Scrivens more than a backup goalie? And posited this terrifying idea that if he continues to play this way, and who knows if by the end of the season he will have started quite enough games to warrant this, um, because you know Jonathan Quick could come back and find his game again and play amazingly. But if Scrivens, if somehow he plays enough games that they end up kind of splitting the rest of the season or whatever, will there be a problem? Like, he's he has to be resigned, basically. Will he have earned enough money that he, like, the Kings could be priced out again so soon and he will leave? Or will, you know, even if he's not, like, maybe he's so good and Jonathan Quick remains so bad that there could be a goalie controversy? I don't think that's going to happen. But basically, the, the horror is... Could the Kings have Ben Scrivens for this season? And he's played amazingly for them, and then like they'll have to lose him really quick. I'm gonna hope hope that the answer is no, and that the cap goes up, and we can just sprinkle him with money. One big comfort is that if there's anybody who can pull any money magic, we've all seen that it is Dean Lombardi. 
um, he will probably figure out some weird way for Toronto to keep paying LA to play Scrivens. That would be ideal. <laughs> oh, that would be so funny if some like back, <laughs> some random deal just had like a little addendum. Oh, by the way, you're still gonna continue paying for Ben Scrivens, even though he is no longer at all tied to you. Right, right. He's gonna just keep winning games for Los Angeles. How about it? But yeah, that was terrifying. I mean, I don't, obviously, it's still too early in the season to really know for sure, but it was like a horrible thing for me to have to think about a little bit today when I read it. Hopefully, he just plays well through this time. Um, Jonathan Quick comes back and, you know, gets out of his slump that sort of lasted for most of 2013, excluding the playoffs. And they can just be a tandem for a while. That's what I would like. I really like Ben Scribbins. I want him to do well, but not so well that he has to leave Los Angeles. Is that weird to say? That's how I feel. I know. I was just thinking that. I was like, I want so many nice things for him, but not too nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like, take a step back. A reasonable amount of nice things for Ben Scrimmins. only, But only because I want to keep him, which I feel like balances it out. I just like him a lot. And I want him to stay with my favorite hockey team. Oh, boy. <laughs> We're about to squeeze this hamster too hard. <laughs> oh, no. Um... Sorry, Ben Scrivens, but you are Player of the Month, so there's that. Thanks for the free McFlurry, Ben Scrivens. Not only is he Player of the Month, but he now has more points than American hero Trevor Lewis, who is still on IR. I, please murder me over this fact. (laughs) I am, I'm so dejected and so sad for Trevor Lewis right now. It is unbelievable. Um, I forget who said it, but uh, someone mentioned to us, like, God, wouldn't it be great slash horrible if Martin Jones came and started a game and then also immediately got a point? I, yeah, yeah. That um, I think actually that was what I said in response to somebody or whatever. Like they were talking about how Trevor Lewis still is tied in points with Martin Jones, at least. Because Martin Jones doesn't have any points yet because he hasn't played any games. But watch it happen. Martin Jones plays a game, gets an assist. Trevor Lewis left behind by everybody. And the, the other unfortunate thing about that is because Martin Jones will then have played in a game, he is bound to have more saves than Trevor Lewis, who only has two so far this season. So he will be losing Trevor in every Lewis category. Trevor Lewis can't play any position. <laughs> <laughs> or can't, is, is losing all of his positions. But how, but like, how especially sad would that stat sheet be? Just like, Martin Jones, games played, one. Point one. <laughs> it's so kind. Trevor Lewis, games played, too many. How many points? Zero. That's definitely how his season is going. I, it's going to happen. I feel like that's just how, that's the way the narrative is trending. It'll be reality soon. Okay, but I have to hope that, I mean, Jeff Carter got a point when he came back and then he got the goal eight, uh, 18 seconds in, in the San Jose Sharks game. So I'm hoping that when Trevor Lewis gets over his quote unquote lower body injury, um, he'll then score a hat trick. That would be amazing. That's, I mean, obviously that's always what I'm really hoping for is that every player that comes back from uh, injury just kills it. I want, you know, here's, here's ideal for me. I mean, Jeff Carter actually got kind of close. He didn't score or get any points tonight, which is unfortunate, but he did get the point in his first game back. He got a goal in his second game back, 18 seconds in. That was awesome. I would like for uh, Trevor Lewis and, and Clifford, I don't, he scored a goal. He scored a goal since being back. Um, so he's, you know, they're producing. He's had pretty good games so far. He was juggled a little bit, but kind of tried to hold his own on, on uh, generating some offense tonight. Obviously, nobody really did enough work, but whatever. 
but I would like Trevor Lewis to come back, score a hat trick. It would be nice if he could come back on the same night that maybe Jonathan Quick comes back and gets a shutout. That would be the best game. That's the game I want. And then just and then Jonathan Quick gets uh, an assist. Yeah, yeah, on one of Trevor Lewis's goals. Amazing, on his like breakaway shorthanded goal, which is his third goal. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Matt Green would be cheer. I mean, I'm really excited that we saw Matt Green. Oh, I know. Yes, that's the other thing. Matt Green is back in this timeline, so that's exciting news. At least for that one practice, he was. I guess he fixed whatever he needed to fix in the timeline he was stuck in, and we saw him recently. Whether or not we will see him again, or whether or not he has more work to do, (laughs) we will find out. Yeah, it was. uh, I saw a tweet, probably from the mayor, um, that was like, I guess originally they told Matt Green to just shut everything down for two weeks, and really what that told me was they literally lost track of Matt Green for two weeks, and he appeared again today, and he was like hey, do we have practice today? I don't even know if he... Did he realize that he was on long-term IR? I don't know. Probably he just found out because he just got back. What is even happening with Matt Green? Who knows? Not you, not I. Um, I hope uh, Matt Green is having fun still on his travels. I mean, we still don't know what's wrong with him. We still don't know why he's on injured reserve, so that's a thing. But at least we know he is around in this world, and that's good news. Glad to know he's safe. Yeah. Now I think we have talked about everybody. I think that's all we got until next week, when hopefully we end on a higher note in terms of games played. Diane, do you have anything you want to say before we go? Um, not really Kings-related, but more importantly, America-related, is that I implore anyone who is from the great country of America and is on the Olympic roster to stop getting hurt. Oh, yeah. Because it's infuriating. Um... Most recently, at least, um, most recently for me in terms of what I read, was about Paul Martin. Uh, America is pretty good depth-wise for a lot of the places, but one place that they weren't the most deep at, at, I guess, um, was defense, and Paul Martin's out with a broken leg, a broken tibia. If everyone could stop breaking their tibia, that'd be cool. It's still four to six weeks. He could be back. Who knows? Although this does lead way to maybe Seth Jones. But still, it's infuriating because I want America to crush everyone. Even when they're not injured, I'm still fascinated by the way that uh, Mike Yo keeps trying to run like Ryan Suter into the ground. So America will probably be a little worse for wear by the time the Olympics come around, which is unfortunate. One bright side, though, is that if Paul Martin is made of the same stuff as Steven Stamkos, maybe he'll be fine pretty soon. He'll be walking around. Which, side note, is still like horrifyingly scary to me. The fact that Two weeks ago, he was, I was, like, we were all scared for him, and he was in pain, and his leg was fractured, and we were watching him being stretchered off the ice, and then two weeks later, he's just walking. Crazy, like, no, not even a boot. Even, uh, you know, Jeff Carter walked around in a boot because he had fractured his foot a little bit. We don't even know how bad the fracture was, but he was walking around in a boot. Steven Samkos wrecked himself. Nothing. He now has an iron rod in his leg. But I guess it was a clean break, so everything's fine, and now he's Iron Man? I don't understand. That's so terrifying. Uh, please don't please don't rush your rehab. Steven yeah, Stamco. but basically, I need America to get their shit together <laughs> and stay healthy, because, um, yeah, the Olympics are coming up, and I need this to happen. Okay, so that's all we have for this week. Until we speak to you again, treat yourselves well. If you're not listening to us on iTunes already, which you should be, get into that. 
makes things a lot easier for you. Have us in your car. It'll work out nicely. If you do not follow us on Twitter, which you also should already do, we are at ThanksBud. If you want to follow Diane and myself individually, I am at Chanel Berlin. And I'm at AKA Diane Fan. And uh, we're pretty awesome, so you'll enjoy yourself. Anyway, talk to you guys next week. Take care of yourselves. Hopefully the kings do better for us all. Bye, friends. <laughs>